Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. Enjoy this. These guys are extremely informative. I love their dialogue. I love their interpretation of the songs, who and what we are, what we were going after. They're very uh, accurate in their uh, interpretations and descriptions. And uh, just I just think this is a great show. And these guys are doing a, a stand-up stellar job. So once again, enjoy Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. We are live right here every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. If you'd like to catch video replays of the show, just go to our YouTube page, or you can find them on Heavy Metal Television, our main hub, the week after the show airs on Friday. And if you want to catch the audio replays of the show, show just pretty much google talking into infinity podcast and we're on almost any audio platform that you can think of uh, without further ado i'd like to bring in my very good friend and co-host mr brian hendrickson how's it going man what's going on man today is a very special day and i don't know if you know this or not i, I got okay. this off of the internet which is always super reliable okay supposedly it's the 40th anniversary for one of my all-time favorite metal albums black sabbath mob rules i did not know that I didn't either. It says it was released November 4th, 1981. Now, I did some okay. quick ma math on that. That is 40 years. But, uh, yeah, I mean, great, great, great album. So happy 40th to Mob Rules, I guess. Now, do you prefer that or Heaven and Hell? Uh, you know, I like the sound of Mob Rules better um, in terms of, like, the overall songs on the album. Probably my two favorite songs are on Mob Rules, but the album as a whole, I believe Heaven and Hell, I think is better. How about you? Um, I think I think I would agree with your assessment. I, I think I think the songs are a little stronger on Heaven and Hell. Um, also, you know, I don't know. There's just there's something about that record that hits me a little harder than than Mob Rules uh, did. So I mean, I mean, they're, they're, obviously they're both Ronnie James Dio, which kicks ass. Yeah. So they're, they're really basically comeback records because the the last few Ozzy Sabbath albums were were pretty crappy. Um, but you know. Yeah. 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 If I if I had to pick just one, it would probably be Heaven and Hell. S same as you. So. Yeah. My my favorite, and when I think an underrated song on Mob Rules, Voodoo. I love that song. I love that guitar riff. I think that's like one of the most underrated, greatest Iomi guitar riffs of all time. So that would be my favorite song on the two albums, probably. So that's probably why I said like that in Mob Rules as far as songs. But yeah, as far as the whole album, man, Heaven and Hell, like you listen to that. That's just that's absolute perfection from beginning to end. Yep, totally agree. Uh, before we get into some Dream Theater, JG3, good to see you again, man. Uh, he disputes us. He says Dehumanizer <laughs> is the best Dio album. Uh, that song Time Machine that was what from Bill and Ted, that song kicks ass. That's a great riff, man. Yeah, how do we ban people again from the show? I forgot. Do you, uh... <laughs> not, not agreeing with JG3, huh? <laughs> uh, I, so I saw that tour, and then it ended up being, um, I don't even think Dio ended up coming on that. They ended up going back to um, Tony Martin again. It was like the whole thing was weird, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not 
too well versed in Black Sabbath like you are, so I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it was at uh, it was at Nautica, and I and I swear to God, I think at like the last minute, that everyone's like, uh, I don't think Dio's going to be singing, so I don't know. I got to look that up to verify. But uh, but speaking of music, I got to go to a killer show just real quick before we get into sure. it. Uh, got to go see Gojira uh, last Friday, and oh, I know yeah, some, I know some other friends of yours went too. Yeah, you said yeah. some other buddies of yours. So what are your thoughts on that band? Have you ever even tried to listen to him, or you're just like, no? Not really. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I would be lying if I said if I said I've listened to more than a few songs. Okay. Yeah, I love I love the heaviness, this the doom sludginess, and I like I like the, all the cool effects they put on his vocals. I mean, he's not you know he's just a rock vocalist. He's not a singer by any means. We know that. But man, like the light show, and just, I mean, I don't. I still probably have fog and smoke on me. Like it, it never stopped the entire <laughs> night. The entire stage and the whole theater was just full of like fog machines and smoke machines and it was awesome man i mean you, you know the feeling of seeing a show at the agora it's like it's a, it's in the worst most horrible neighborhood so you can't go do anything else before or after anywhere near there right but as soon as you walk into that venue and like you know and if you're down on the floor and you're up by a stage or if you're up on the balcony and you're sitting looking around you're like there's, there's no better place to see a concert i mean it's just an iconic yep. killer just has that grit like this is the place you want to see especially like a heavy or like a metal show or you and i got to see sammy there which was awesome too but yep. uh yeah but yeah shout out to gojira i mean it's like crazy so they can come over here from france and do a full tour but you know we have all these american bands that cancel but but uh hey shout out you know props to them for <laughs> for this concert still going you know it was cool though because you know they checked everyone's um you had to have a vaccine card or or show a proof of a test Sure. And they gave you a wristband. You know, you could not even get into where they scan your tickets until you had the wristband. Yep. You know, so anyway, great show and uh, looking forward to this show. Yeah, man, definitely. I, I, I noticed your, your, your veiled uh, your veiled annoyance at the fact that one week from tomorrow we were supposed to be in Akron catching the uh, a view from the top of the world tour. <laughs> yep. I can't I, I still can't believe that's postponed, man. I, I saw that on my on my calendar today. I was like, damn it. So, but we, we, we could still go see Jeff Tate at the Beachland Ballroom. So we do have a show we can go to. We can watch him do the entire Rage for Order uh, album as well as the entire Empire record. So we do have a musical option next Friday if we want it. So Good uh, question by Kale there. That, yes, that is the band that opens with that screen in front of the stage in the old time countdown. It's pretty hilarious because it's like it starts down at like, uh, I think it starts at 210, which is like a weird number. And it's just counting down literally one second at a time all the way down to zero. And, of course, the crowd gets in on it. And they're chanting and yelling it out and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> okay. awesome, man. But uh, So are we going to go to Jeff Tate? Is that have we decided have you decided you're going for sure or what? I, honestly, it's going to be a game time decision next week. I think I'm going to be like, no, nah, let's go to Jeff Tate on Friday. OK, you know, we'll, we'll see. So I, I better I'm, keep my phone on me then. huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I saw it when it came around. Was it night? No, I think it was like. Was it the last show I saw? The second to last show that I saw before uh, everything went on lockdown in 2020. Because it was Jeff Tate and then you and I went to see Sons of Apollo. Yep. So, um, I mean, it, it's good. And from what I understand, Jeff Tate sounds even better now. So, um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing it. So and we'll see. It's it's cheap. I think it's only like $22 or something. So, yeah. um, I mean, it's totally worth it. So I mean we'll see, man. I I'm definitely interested. Was you know, I'm Yo. so pissed off about Dream Theater. <laughs> it's yeah. like the air is kind of out of my sails. So that's kind of you know. 
Well, we'll talk uh, during the week and figure it out because I think the closer it gets, the more I'm like, man, I better go see this because you know these kind of opportunities are just like I said, they're gonna they're gonna start really dwindling as these guys get older and as we yeah. get older. So it's like, you know, if it's within an hour of your house and it's twenty two dollars, like. <laughs> pretty dumb for me not to go i mean you've already seen it so i guess i could understand that but sure oh look at this t-bone drum covers tommy allen our buddy that was on for our train of thought episode what's up tommy good to see you man nice thanks for jumping in appreciate it man all right so we have a, we have a dream theater question here that we'll get to real quick before we jump into tonight's topic so joe gebhardt's uh joe gebhardt wants to know and we'll do this real quick and then you know get into you know our thoughts on James Labrie. What's everyone's thoughts on the new album? A week at, a, a, after a week of sinking in. Uh, so very briefly for me, I've I've listened several more times. It, it's still growing on me. I really like it. Um, as I said before, it hasn't grabbed me like distance over time. There's still not a ton uh, of of riffs and, and hooks and stuff that are just embedded in my skull, you know, or like peanut butter on the roof of your mouth, as some people like to say. Uh, but it's it's very good. It's it's definitely a grower. And in listening to some songs in preparation for tonight's episode, you can definitely tell that they're in a groove writing-wise and chemistry-wise. So uh, where do you stand? Yeah, I, you know, it's not hitting me as hard as I thought it would. There's like three songs I totally love, and then the rest I'm still kind of, sort of eh on you know i think it's going to take time i mean i think we've already without any type of a spoiler we were we're pretty much we know this is not going to be we're not going to probably put this ahead of distance over time i i don't think that's going to happen but that's okay yeah. i mean it's an app that's an absolutely amazing album for a band that to put out that late in their career you know yep and uh i think for, to expect them to, to just top that it's that's a pretty big task you know <laughs> right so all right well so that's where we stand uh two weeks out from the release of the new record so let's jump into tonight's topic this is something that you and i were going to do a couple episodes ago and you had to drop off the show so we saved it uh, until tonight and this is one that i've been excited for because it's going to be difficult for me not to fanboy on this one uh, especially those of you that have listened to my solo episode know my feelings on James Labrie. But uh, we are going to get into our top James Labrie vocal moments on tonight's show. Uh, as I said, I am definitely a massive fanboy for James Labrie. I was listening to a whole ton of stuff in preparation for this, and I like so many things that he does that it was a little difficult for me. I actually did not get up to 10 because there were eight that just stood out so much to me. And then there was like a second tier of several things. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to go with second tier. I'm just going with my, you know, I, I have eight unbelievable moments for me. How many How many did you end up coming up with? I ended up with 10. I was kind of stuck on nine for a while. And I, I, no, I had three or four that were on the fence. And then all of a sudden one hit me and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I get this. This has to be in there. Right. So I ended up putting, uh, I ended up with 10. Yep. <laughs> Kale McLeish, don't lose power or get sick. We're in a member's top moments episode. <laughs> we will do our best, Kale. We will do our best. Um, all right. So I, I'm wondering if you and I will have any duplicates. Um, 
I know you sent me a, a funny email today. Like, how many how many songs off of Awake or Train of Thought am I going to have to sit through? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you go through your list, so uh, that was funny. But um, all right, since you have more than I do, uh, I'm I'm going to let you go first. I'm actually saving my number one for the end. Okay. So I don't know how you want to do yours, but my number one is going to be at the end. Okay, that's fine. Um, I ended up putting Octavarium at ten, the song. That is like right up at the at the top of my like second tier. My mine is from the from score. I I pulled from a live record. Okay. So is, is yours I assume is the album version. Yeah, I'm not as familiar. You know, I didn't obviously I didn't go to the show, but I don't own the. I mean, I've seen the video before, and 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 you know, I've seen stuff on YouTube, and I've actually seen the whole concert, but I don't. You know, for me to go and actually pick that out ahead of it, um, no. But yeah, I picked I picked Octavarium. I mean. There's a there's a certain power in his voice that it's not it doesn't get raspy and it doesn't feel like he's using a lot of effort. And there's only one other song, maybe one or two other songs, I think, in their catalog where I could really feel like, man, that power is really coming through there. But he's not using a lot of effort and the highs are not getting pinched off. And man, he just goes for it on that tune. And of course, the melody in that song is just so intoxicating. So, yeah, Octavarium has to be in there. Yeah, good call, man. Um, I, I think he uses a lot of different, you know, aspects of his voice, which is kind of a theme on, uh, with my list. And the reason that I chose the version from Score is because, I mean, yeah, he he gets breaks here and there, obviously in the live environment, but to nail that as strongly as he did um, is is absolutely incredible. And you know, I was at the show. And I know that there's not a lot of studio magic on that live record. I mean, he was absolutely on point that night. Nice. And especially, you know, that Empire, like, when he's doing that scream is just outrageous. Yep. And, you know, that's at the end of, you know, a three-hour show and all those crazy lyrics about Lucy in the sky with diamonds and yeah. having to remember all that stuff. <laughs> yep. It's just like, it's it, it's just it's crazy. Uh, Adam Rishog, what's up, man? You're able to make it tonight. Good to see you, buddy. It's been a long time. So our good friend Adam Rishog says, Octavarium is James at some of his best. That trapped inside this Octavarium screaming part is just crazy. I've never heard that side of his voice before. Yep. Just just like I was saying, man, you know, that is definitely, definitely a huge, a huge highlight of that song, especially live to be able to pull that off. So um, T-Bone drum covers, before I get into my first one, he says, our buddy Tommy, in the name of God, is my number one. Of course, it's from Train of Thought. <laughs> I actually listened to that song today thinking that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to listen for some stuff that's on the heavier side of James's voice. And for some reason, I remembered that being a little heavier vocally for him, and I didn't hear it listening to it today. So I actually don't have that one, Tommy. So that is not on my list. Uh, but my my first choice, this is not my number one. Again, I'm giving my number one last. Yep. I'm starting my list off. Uh, again, this is not in any particular order until my last one. Uh, Innocence Faded from Awake. So uh, right off the rip, you were right. I pulled something from Awake. <laughs> um, but I've, I've always been a big fan of that song. And, you know, especially when they pulled it out in score, I, w I was like, yes, yes. So I thought you know, that this is a great choice because it literally, he uses all facets of his voice on this one. You know, you've got the really breathy, mellow stuff. Uh, you got just his, his standard rock voice, the high, really clean stuff. Um, you know, and even when he goes really high, 
he just holds down this melody and it's it's so catchy and it's just the song is just beautiful melodically and his voice just highlights the different sections of the music perfectly for me yeah if i would have picked anything off a of wake it would it would definitely be innocence faded i've said before that's one of my favorite songs and I'm very jealous that I didn't realize they played it on score. So that's not another reason I'm bummed I missed that. But yeah, it's a. I guess this goes back to one of my criticisms against Awake. I, I wish more of the stuff had the giant melodic hooks that Innocence Faded has. Because I just, I don't know. I just don't hear them on that album the way that you do, I guess, and some other people do. But okay. I love I love that song. I love every choice he makes in that. And it's just such a huge, massive chorus. And that little riff under there just fits perfect. Yeah. Totally, totally agree with you. All right, so what is next on your list? I have At Wit's End. So this will be like the one song that made um, for guitar, for Petrucci, and for Labrie. Right. And uh, specifically, you know, it his best part comes in, I think, right before that awesome guitar part. You know, that super high part, that playing over to stop pretending, walked inside, it's never ending. And then the guitar comes in with that awesome melody and he starts to don't leave me now, don't leave me now. I absolutely love that that part. And as much as that guitar makes the hair stand off the back of my neck, when he goes in that vocal part and I know it's coming right then and there, I, I love it. And it, you're going to find, too, on a, lot, on a lot of my choices, I have these parts where they're mostly kind of towards the end of the song where it's like they didn't do this the entire rest of the song. But it's this huge, giant crescendo that leads to this massive, big ending, you know, and it's like I, I love when Dream Theater does that in their music. Yeah, I I, I think that, like you said, I think this is more of a guitar song for me. Um, the vocal is great. This is, you know, the, the, this record to me is is full of hooks and it maybe this is blasphemy considering some of the stuff that came before it. But, you know, Distance Over Time for me might be their hookiest record in a way vocally uh, so i definitely agree with you in terms of the melody on this song i just think that i for me i've picked other stuff that i think stands out a little more vocally at least to me um, but it, it is it is a great performance so uh by the way if my camera uh jumps here my, my cat bubba has decided he'd like to be a part of the show so my <laughs> camera he oh he he loves to bump that camera man so um Joe Gebhardt says, Trial of Tears is probably my number one. Ashes, nothing but ashes. Dude, that's my favorite Dream Theater song. That is a great choice. That is in my second tier. So wow. ex- excellent. That shocks, that shocks me. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite song is in my favorite James moments. <laughs> Go figure. Um, so next on my list, I have the version from The Greatest Hits I have to live forever. Something about this song has always stood out to me. I've just loved, loved what James does on this song. And, you know, it's, I just love that, you know, that clean guitar that starts the song out. And when James comes in all breath, like, if I'd started from the top, I mean, it's like, that just sounds so cool to me. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's always stood out. And it's funny because I always wondered, like, why don't they have this on, you know, on an actual album? There's Bubba. Uh, and, you know, I, I finally read at some point that Portnoy said, well, we've released, like, you know, fans have, like, four different, five different versions of this song, so we didn't need to put it on a record. 
So, um, you know, and even though there are multiple versions and, and there's different bridges and stuff like that, it's just, it's always just such a catchy, just beautiful song for me. And James's voice is just so perfect for it. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Didn't they, did they play this? Was it the, the Images and Words 25th they played this at? Yes, in in uh, Greenville, Pennsylvania, the show that we saw. Okay, I, m- I remember I was freaking out. I was like, "Yes, yes, to live forever!" Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> like I was so pumped up about that. Yeah, I this song I don't really, you know, I went back. I had never heard it before until we saw it then. And you're going crazy, and I'm like, "What is this?" Like, <laughs> uh, so I went back and listened to it after that a few times. Yeah, cool song. I don't know, you know, a whole lot about it. I've only listened to it a few times, to be honest. You know, it definitely sounds like one of their older type of songs. But, uh, you know, cool. Yeah. So uh, Tommy says, T-Bone drum covers, hollow years from falling into infinity. The modulation into the last chorus give me chills. He doesn't hit many high notes, but what he does sing is fantastic. So one of my one of my almost made it songs on here, Brian, was was hollow years from live at Budokan. What do you where do you stand on that one? I had hollow years. Just the studio one was just about almost made it. Which is weird because I know I said for a fact on a different show that this was possibly my favorite James vocal performance of all time. And then, of course, I don't even put it in the top ten (laughs) once I start (laughs) digging into stuff. But, yeah, I I agree. The modulation at the end is awesome. And uh, is there something different in the live version or just the performance is awesome? Um, I think it's the performance. I mean, he does do it a a hair differently, but I think it's just – I think it's just the emotion in it, really, at least at least for me. I I know when I first, you know, got that live record, that song just immediately jumped out to me. That's I, I love I love Hollow Years. I mean, you know, Falling Into Infinity is my favorite record, and that's that song live is just always cool. And to me, that's the best live version they've done of that song. And okay. I think the vocal has a lot to do with it. So, all right, what is next on your list? I put uh, a, the title track from Astonishing, which I guess is the last song on the album. Yeah. Technically. Um, I love the, again, this is another one of those, especially when it gets towards, it's not a very, I don't think this is what, five minutes, not a super long song. No, it's like but, four uh, and a half, I think. Yeah, not even that. So, I, yeah, I love the end of it. Again, it's just, you know, it just starts building up to this huge emotional climax, which you're obviously going to get anyway, because it's the last song of a ginormous two-disc concept album. But uh, yeah, he sounds great on this song, and uh, just another, you know, very cinematic type of dream theater, which I always love from them. Yep, and I th- I think what stands out on that song in particular is that you know he's he's doing multiple characters within the same song. Yep. You know, the hallmark of that record is him going in and out of different characters, different voices, and stuff like that. And you know, that song, I think I think it's got three different characters in there maybe four um something like that but yeah and and in such a short you know period of time to go in and out of that is just it's awesome you know and we saw him do it live and he pulled it off beautifully so yeah i i I think i think that's a good call on, on your part i definitely do all right so next on my list i have another day from images and words one of the ones i feel is probably probably an obvious choice uh, I know that, you know, when, when you when you first listen to images and words, of course, you know, pull me under and you're like, oh, sweet, pull me under. 
and then another day comes on you know which i've always thought was an interesting choice to have a, kind of a you know a ballad second and his his voice is just soaring in that especially obviously you know at the end by another day that super 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 high note and he's just all over the place on this one it, it's such a showcase song and I to me I've always kind of thought of this as almost like the quintessential James tune you know I, I think when a lot of people think of James Labrie this is the sort of song if not the song people think of so for that reason it's it definitely definitely made my list and as I said that that super high note at the end is just it, it just caps the song off beautifully yeah I actually had another day um well, we didn't decide exactly how we're doing this, but I've got it on my list here. Um, yeah, just a great showcase for his, you know, hitting those super high, clean notes. Um, then when it goes to that, they took pictures of our dreams. He's like way, way up there in the stratosphere. Yep. Singing on those parts. And uh, the melody just keeps kind of building and building. And they're like, man, is there a single like wrong note choice, you know, <laughs> for this vocal line or these progressions? Because they're just total ear candy right so uh yeah for sure another day all right let's go to the next one on your list i have bridges in the sky um really yeah i love the course and in that shaman take me home it's just i don't know you you could just you literally feel like you're flying when he when they kind of get that course going and then that parts at the end like i really do feel like i'm soaring in the clouds on those some of those parts i Okay. I love I love that song. Okay. Um I I think I'm going to disagree with you on, on on this one. That song is good, but it didn't really do much for me. Um I I think, you know, I do have a complaint actually about the vocal and that, you know, take my hand, you know, I like how it goes up, but then at the end it goes down and I'm like it just seems anticlimactic to me. If anything, I would have done it in the reverse order. Um I, I, it's a good song, but I think, you know, for that one, you know, or for the purposes of our discussion, I should say, I, I it doesn't it doesn't really grab me. So I think no, I'm not shocked. You're on record as being a full hater of uh, dramatic <laughs> turn of events. I am not on record as being a full. <laughs> oh, hater you're, on, of you're on record like 45 times. Like <laughs> I, I am no such thing. <laughs> I, I am no such thing. And we have not done our deep dive, and you'll find out when we do our deep dive what my feelings on that record are. Yeah, that it's even worse than I imagined, probably. <laughs> oh, hang on. We just got a message from Mike Portnoy. His favorite Labrie uh, performance is Erotomania. Okay, that's that's not funny, <laughs> Portnoy. That's, that's not funny. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's a good one, dude. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, Yeah, are, are, you, are you sure it wasn't... Uh, dance of eternity right <laughs> uh kale kale says it he says i remember you not liking bridges when i pulled it out in the set list draft yeah i, I like i say it, i mean it's a good song it's just it doesn't it just doesn't grab me so i you know not not my thing so however jg3 he agrees with you he says i agree Bridges is a great performance. Which so, means he is not a hater of dramatic turn events, <laughs> unless you are. You know what, man? 
<laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Just because I don't I, I don't think it stands out to me does not mean I hate the album. All right. I don't hate any Dream Theater albums. Okay. I severely dislike one song and always skip it, and that's it. And again, we'll we'll save that for the album deep dive when that one comes up. But uh yeah, I do not hate that album. So just to prove that I don't hate it, the next one in my list is actually not from that record. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my next one is Looking Through Her Eyes from Metropolis 2000 Scenes from a Memory. Um, that one has always seemed really personal to me, the, the performance, um, the sound of it. And also, I, I think I have kind of like an emotional connection to that one because part of the poetry that, you know, is in the lyrics was close to something that my mom said at my grandfather's funeral. So it kind of when I the very first time I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, that's like what mom said at grandpa's funeral. So, oh, wow, that's yeah. So that song has always kind of had like a personal just that, that little extra personal connection for me. But but I think the way that he delivers it. And, you know, the content of the lyrics, it just, you know, you said like when you listen to Bridges in the Sky and you're talking about, oh, well, you know, I, I, you know, I feel like I'm flying. And, you know, when I when I hear this chorus and stuff like that, um, you know, for me, like I can picture a guy kind of sitting there in, you know, a cemetery in front of this, you know, headstone. And it's a little overgrown and stuff like that, you know, grass needs mode, whatever. And he's just really into the emotion of the moment and it's just really affecting him. And, um, I, I just, I totally get that vibe off of that. And so for me, I, I think, you know, that's, I, I mean, it's one thing for the lyrics to, to hit you personally, but I think when the performance itself really drives the point home, I, I think that that's really what makes a great vocal. Uh, I mean, it's probably obvious to say that, but that's, you know, really how I feel. And I think this one is a perfect example of that. Yeah, great song. I'm kind of surprised I didn't put it on here. Um, I thought about it for a minute, but I'm like, I, I was kind of trying to find something a little bit different because this would, for the stuff that I love, this would be like so obvious for me to put it on there, but probably one of my all-time favorite, you know, just piano and vocal together, just, just you know, kind of just a basic melody. There's nothing super complicated about what's going on, but man, it is, like you said, it is an emotional powerhouse, of a, especially if you've got you know some kind of personal connection to it as well like i mean this this thing you know it's a light song but this you know when you get this thing going in your earbuds i mean it hits you like a ton of bricks you know when you just focus in on it it's yep powerhouse song and love the vocals on it yep i agree uh, our buddy tommy says panic attack is great james has a muse type vocal with the high falsetto that he doesn't feel often if not at all yeah that's that's actually a good call man i i didn't i didn't think of that one um, that is, that's really, you know, that, that, that the middle part of the, hysteria. like yep. that is, and it, I, you know, I, I was talking about this on another show that that really kind of adds to the, the frenetic vibe of the song, you know, and you know, it's titled panic attack. And I think the vocal really adds to that. That's a good call, man. I would, I would, I would agree with you there. Yeah, that's something you don't really hear him do in any other song. So it's cool that it's, you know, it's very unique from that standpoint. Totally agree. All right, what do you have next on your list? Uh, I actually have from the same the last album you just picked. I put Strange Deja Vu. 
which means this song i think now has made it on like three different lists <laughs> i think i took it in the draft and i think i picked it on our gateway songs and i might have even picked it on the petrucci so that might be on all three i, I love the the course on this um the way it just it soars up there at the end like i just keep sort of hammering away at with these songs what he does that at and uh yeah, I, I I love his performance. I love the he's he's got the power behind it, but it's clean, but it uh it comes across great. Yeah, that's definitely a bang and intro song. Um I didn't pick this one because I think it's just pretty much, you know, a straight up rock performance. But I'm with you. He's really powerful on that. Uh it's a great intro to the record. And he he just, you know, sounds to me he's always sounded really muscular on this. Like, it's clean, but he just really comes out of the gate just with power. And I remember, you know, that tour was the first time I'd ever seen them live. And I remember the first time he opened his mouth and did that song live, I was like, holy crap. I had never heard – it, it reminded me, like, of a weightlifter. Like, you see somebody lifting, like, huge dumbbells and that, that kind of power. Like, that's what his voice sounded like through the PA to me that night. I was like, wow, this guy's got some – serious like serious pipes so yeah I, I i think that's a great choice um again i you know i think my stuff is a little more varied than just his rock voice because we have a lot of choices in yep. that realm but you know if you're gonna pick one i think that's i think that's a great one look at jg3 okay you can't you can't do that man i don't know if it's <laughs> if it's gonna count as different songs but six degrees would definitely be on my list especially the finale um all right so if JG3 was on the show, would we accept the entire Six Degrees suite? We we accepted it in our draft. Yeah, which we should not have. I've been firmly on record as saying, Adam. See, I wanted to try. I, I wanted to try and catch you in that one again. I know. No. no. <laughs> All right. So Brian says no, Jay. I I, I say it would be okay because I, I have to stick with what I said on a previous show, and that's that's that it counts. Um, you know. I will say though, Joe Gephardt, there's your your album again uh i did have lifting shadows off a dream as a uh almost made it yeah that's a good one too i have that on my almost made it list also really um, uh super like understated you know just kind of he just sort of goes with the song there he doesn't get too crazy with it but it, it fits perfectly you know with what they're doing there i like i like a lot of stuff on awake you know vocally I, and i i always wonder what the hell would have happened had he not had that stupid breakfast accident with his voice in Cuba, you know, after the first leg of that Awake tour, because his voice on the Awake album was just absolutely killing it. And then, you know, there were, people have said, you know, that saw the first leg of the tour that he was absolute money in the bank. And then after that, it, he, you know, he himself said he didn't feel after after that, you know, rupturing a vocal cord thing he didn't feel fully right again until the six degrees tour so it took him a good seven years and i just i really wonder you know what sort of permanent damage that did because man he sounded good on that album so yeah that's a good call man lifting shadows off a dream and again i you know awake for me is just a great vocal record so my next choice and, and this might be a weird one but you know it's it's on the heavier aspect of things I have In the Presence of Enemies Part 2. So I've always really dug this because, you know, Dark Master, 
you know, and stuff like that. It's almost like a James, a James Hetfield type of a delivery in parts of it, and um, it's it's definitely one of his grittiest, if not the grittiest, vocal that he's ever done. And again, something that fits the vibe of the music perfectly. You know, some sometimes he'll get into a heavier vocal. Um, over something that doesn't really need quite as something quite as heavy, or you'll get a really heavy riff where he's a little clean, and you're like, "Ooh, you dirty that up a little bit." But I think this is one of those awesome examples where he just absolutely nails the feel of what's going on behind him. Do you think in those situations Portnoy tells him to sing that way, that style? I'm curious. Um, I, I would, I would be almost certain that yeah. that's that that would be you know, Portnoy's idea because I think, you know, that's not his natural way of singing. Right. You know, I mean, on, on awake when you had those high gritty screaming parts, mm-hmm. you know, when he did those, it, it called for it. And you can tell that when, and they were when he was going high and your natural instinct is to kind of like really put your put your nuts into it when you're when you're reaching for high notes like that so you right. could see you know that that would make sense but on stuff like this it, you know especially considering the fact that this is you know starting to become more important I really started to take over things and he you know got into the cookie monster vocals and stuff i i would i would have to think that it's definitely portnoy saying yeah you know uh kale McLeish agrees he says Yes, wouldn't pick it myself, but you're right on here. And again, a little bit of acting in it as he pulls back a little as heretic versus the all out of the Dark Master's voice. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it fits the vibe perfectly, man. So, oh, Joe, Joe Gebhardt, here we go. He said, James said in a recent interview that how he sang on Awake was his idea. Yeah, I mean, it sounds more natural. I mean, it... it 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 really really does sound more natural on awake because that's again if you're gonna if you're gonna get way up there of course it's, you could you know break into a scream when you got lungs like that guy right uh, JG three he agrees with us Portnoy was definitely pushing that style on James on systematic chaos and I think you can kind of yep. see some of that stuff in um if you've got the the making of yep. blue uh, uh DVD that came with the CD for that record I mean you can kind of see some you know direction there. So, yeah. All right. So what is next on your list? I have, um, I guess it's pretty basically a Captain Obvious here, breaking all illusions. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the whole thing is great, you know, but I love the ending. You know, again, you get the, the final guitar solo and then Jordan's kind of got his little keyboards backing it up or whatever. And then you sure. got the searching out, you know, that goes the high part. And then there's that little quiet part, and then again it crescendos up to all the way that just massive, huge note at the end. That karma starts the signal part. I yep. love that. It's just like, it's just the perfect end to a perfect song. Like that, that song is just kind of so relentless throughout the whole thing, in terms of just the melody, you know, and the harmonies are just kind of spinning around, spinning around. That you know, then you get the cool solos at the end. You're like, man, how are they going to get? How? It's like, how are they going to get out of this to end it? And it just all fits perfect. Yep. I, I I what I love about this song is that that chorus is just so big and you know I think I think you nailed it that <clears throat> they coming out of that solo section like how are they going to you know how how are they going to come out of this you got that massive chorus 
And then you've got that perfect part that closes after that. And I was just listening to that again today, ironically. So funny that it made your list. And um, it, it's like that perfect ending of a show. Like, you you know, yep. and, and you kind of knew that, though. When you listen to the record the first time, you're like, okay, this is going to be, you know, the last song they do before the encore. You could see, you know, Petrucci holding out the chords and waving like, bye-bye, bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, like, <right. laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely not surprised this one's on your list. Uh, you and I have both been on record as saying this is one of our all-time favorite Dream Theater songs. So for this to be on your on your vocal list is is not a surprise. And I, I think I think it's I think it's a great choice. I, th- I think you're spot on on your stuff there. Um, all right, so I have a few left, and I'm gonna go with a I'm gonna go with my obvious one, and then one I don't think anybody is really gonna get because it's kind of hard to find. I think, um, or maybe it was just hard to find for me, but. And then I'll do my number one. So my next one, and this might be a little obvious because of the length of it, but I have a change of seasons. Um, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, what, what stands out about this one for me is that their other epic songs are, you know, they're, 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 they're kind of known for their music, music, as I can't talk, musicianship. You know, people remember all the, the multiple parts and, and the different riffs and the different, you know, the, the solos and all the different things going on. And I don't think the vocals are really talked about in any of the other ones the way that they are in this song. Um, you know, it again, I come back to, you know, when James really has to put some emotion into something, he absolutely nails it in most cases. And I think this is a good example of that. And the this song has a whole bunch of hooks, even though there's a whole bunch of different parts. You, you can you you can remember the vocal melodies from each part, like so many of them. It, it's really really distinctive. And I think the other reason that I really like this one is because I think this was like really the first time for me. I don't know where other people stand on this one, but <clears throat> I think this is the first time that I really went okay. You know, this guy can really hang with the rest of the guys because, you know, for for the prior two records, you know, you've got images and words and awake and, and he was he was great. You know, don't get me wrong, he he was definitely great. But it was holy crap the musicianship, holy crap the musicianship. And I think hearing a change of seasons, I kinda went, Okay, you can hear why this guy is the singer for this the you know, for these guys. You know, he can definitely, he's, uh, you know, the level that Petrucci's at as a guitar player and Portnoy's at as a drummer, you know, et cetera, et cetera. James Labrie is at as a vocalist. And I think this was really the first time that I noticed that. There is a certain timber and power, and more so the timber and the, the tone of his voice, on this song and this album that is not on any other albums. And I wish they knew or i knew or somebody knew what they did to get that kind of performance and that kind of a sound out of them because it it really is the most there's just real huge balls and power behind his voice and it sounds very 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 effortless and i don't know if it's the microphones they used you know or maybe it's because it's back then so everyone's not you know doing everything through pro tools three million times and redoing (laughs) it but there's i mean there's just something about his voice like if you listen to just the way he enunciates words and and the the tone that comes out it just there's no other album where his vocal sounds like this and i love his vocal in the song i'm not a fan of the music at all other than maybe 
the beginning and and the music when he's actually singing the rest of it i have always kind of felt it just sort of thrown together and doesn't necessarily fit it's like oh well now we're jumped to this part and jumped to that part but that doesn't take away from the fact you pointing out it is a great vocal and yeah again i wish i knew what it was because i guarantee you, you sit down and listen to you know the album right after album right before and you hear how his voice sounds and the way he's like pronouncing and the way his voice is just cutting through the whole mix it, it's totally different so i i can completely get your theory of like okay now i really think he can hang with the band yeah uh kale asks a good question and i'm trying to remember he says my question is when was the vocal for a change of seasons released i th- think you mean recorded because wasn't it recorded post vocal injury and if it was recorded after that it really doesn't show um i know you did ask about the release Th- that it was released after awake it came between awake and uh um uh falling into infinity i know that as for when it was recorded they took a break in the awake tour to do it if i remember right and I can't remember if it was before or after the injury. Um, I'm with you. It, it doesn't sound like it was, you know, whatever happened to him was affecting him. Um, I, man, I'll have to go back and look at look at the Lifting Shadows book to see. Because I, I know they recorded it during the Awake tour. Because after the Awake tour, they did the Ronnie Scott's gig, which, you know, they recorded. And that, that's where the live tracks for the, for the Change of Seasons EP came from. But... I, I don't remember if he recorded that vocal before or after he had that, you know, breakfast thing in Cuba. So we'll have to, we'll have to find out, man. That's that's a good question. I ought to know that, but, you know, you would think the host of a Dream Theater show would know that, but apparently you'd be wrong. <laughs> so, all right. So what is next on your list? All right. Are you sitting down? Uh-oh. You strapped into your chair? Yes. I have the Illumination Theory. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, I know your hate for this song, and I actually I... <laughs> don't like it as a song. I will be the first to admit I do not like it as a song. Okay. So let me break this down for you. 85% of this tune, I, I think, is kind of garbage. But, <laughs> but Damn. it takes like 15 minutes, okay, we finally get to Jordan and John trading off solos, and then Jordan goes into this big giant string part, and then you get this that just huge, massive, powerful vocal that to really feel the joy in life. That part, like you know, there's like four or five verse lines to that or whatever. That's just like it just tears your heart out. Like I love love that because it doesn't do that. It doesn't do anything like that the entire rest of the song. Nothing. Nothing sounds like that at all. And it's just one once again, man, you like you just you end the song just perfectly with this awesome, just super powerful vocal and super meaningful, you know, super insightful, you know, lesson, really. And it's like, God, why did it take us 16 minutes to get here? (laughs) Like, what the hell happened? Like, it's just such a disjointed goof. You know, it's got that like, I don't know, it's almost a two and a half minute, you know, where it sounds like it's a they put a movie score soundtrack in the middle of it, you know, Jordan string thing. And well, it's like I, I, the part before that where it's almost like there there it's like a like a a meditation CD of like forest yep. noises. Yep. It, that was interesting. I uh 
Yeah, I'm surprised you brought up the end vocal because the the vocal that always stood out to me in this one was the mothers with the children, mothers for their wives. Like when he's just doing that scream part, like that is like vintage James. Yeah, no, mothers there's there's no me- there's no melody to that though. That's just like a I, I don't know. I don't know. There's just something. Okay. Like, and the funny part about it is I never really so when we were doing like looking at pro like at their list of prog stuff, and I was like going through and like okay i want to give illumination theory another try and i was out walking my dog and i'm like okay this is blah, blah, blah. and all of a sudden i'm like wait did i just skip to another like is there another song in here i didn't know about <laughs> and all of a sudden that part comes in and i'm like what the hell where did this come from i never knew this was on here until like i don't know six months ago or whatever it was <laughs> that happened to me the last time i did that i was listening to that song and i was working and i forgot to turn it off when it ended quote unquote air quotes right. um and all of a sudden, piano comes in, and I was like, "What the? Oh, I forgot about that." <laughs> it's like, "Oops, forgot that was at the end of this one." Yeah, so, but yeah, I I love that part. I mean, it uh, it just it's awesome. All right, well, so we each like a part of Illumination Theory. So, um, anyway, uh, Kale McLeish, hot take: Illumination Theory is actually a really good song. I don't get the hate. Yes, the orchestral section feels out of place, but everything else is really great. Uh, JG3 says Illumination Theory has James's only bad vocal moment I've ever heard in studio. The ending bit, never know, never know, never know, times 10, whatever. He says, some of those notes just don't sound right. Yeah, I, 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 I could see that. It, it doesn't really bother me or stand out to me like that, but I could see where it might get on someone's nerve. Um, Joe Gebhardt, Breaking the Fourth Wall version is fantastic. That that actually was uh, when I interviewed John Petrucci for uh, the Breaking the Fourth Wall release. That's the song that he picked because uh, the show I was on, the classic metal show, every interview they they let uh, when they do an interview, they let the artist pick a song to play immediately after the interview. And he picked uh, the live version of Illumination Theory, which was hilarious because my buddy Chris Aiken is not a Dream Theater fan. He doesn't like the long stuff. So when John picked <laughs> Illumination Theory, I was I was dying. It was so funny. We got off there, and he's like, oh, oh, man. <laughs> fitting for his uh, undisciplined opinion right there yeah. on full display. <laughs> exactly. All right. So my second to last choice, before I get to my number one, I have the piano version of Wither. And that one, it was, I, I don't, I don't remember I think it was on one of the extended versions of uh, Black Clouds, but I know I found it just on Amazon Music, and I didn't know it existed until a few years ago. I was like, wow, what is this? And I've always thought Wither is a cool song, but, man, have you ever heard the piano version of this one, like the solo piano version? I have. It's cool. It's not as cool as the Rickroll version of this. (laughs) Have you seen that? There's a video that said, never going to win. <laughs> like I seen whoever that. did it is a genius. It's absolutely perfect. But no, the, the awesome. piano the piano version of this is awesome. I mean, we talked before about it. Wither's such a weird, goofy song that this doesn't seem to fit on that album at all. But then that album is yeah. just sort of eclectic in terms of stuff fitting together. But yeah, the yeah. piano I definitely prefer the piano version. I kind of forgot it was out there, uh, but I have heard it. It is awesome. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of my favorite James vocals. Again, you know the the emotional stuff. 
Um, uh, look at Kale. He says, Wither? <laughs> oh, you mean the soft version of Invisible Monster? Those songs don't sound anything alike, Kale. Cut it out. Uh, I know what he's talking about. Well, I don't. Yeah, what, where, would you, where would you get Invisible Monster out of Wither? That uh, There's a similarity in the melody. No, I'm, I'm calling you on that one, Kale, and, and <laughs> therefore I'm calling you on it too, Brian. That's crap. That, that's, that's a crap take. Oh, okay, he says lyrically. Okay. We got to specify that, Kale. I mean, lyrically, yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, Invisible Monster is about, like, self-doubt and anxiety and stuff, whereas Wither is about writer's block. No, so. I thought it was about a tree. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I kind of went out on a limb thinking that, I guess, anyway. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to do this, right, or, else, uh, or else I'm going to bow out of the show. So, Okay, I'll leave it alone then. What do we got? Oh, you stole that one from me. <laughs> Oh man, I'm barking up the wrong tree here. So <laughs> okay, all right, let's not do that. So anyway, yeah, uh, the piano version of Wither, I just have always, I've loved the intimacy of it. I think it really brings out something extra in the song, and I, I mean, I actually prefer it to the the regular version, and I really like the regular version of the song, the standard album version. But the piano version to me is just beautiful. So, oh wait, hang on, I just got another text from Mike Portnoy. He says "Descent of the Nomax" is his favorite. Debris <laughs> moment. That's not funny, Mike. I don't know why he keeps doing this. He, he, te he texted me and said "Machine Chatter" was his his right. highlight of the astonishing. So, all right. Before I get to my number one, what is next on your list? How many do you have left? Because you have a few more than I do. Uh, just two. Okay. So right. I, I have this one. Surprisingly, is not number one, but we've beat this one to death. Uh, about how much we love the breakdown mellow part of nightmare to remember yes the bathing in beautiful agony bridge yep. part like over those really cool clean guitars yep their most beautiful uh, beautiful melody ever in my yep. opinion yep so that that absolutely had had to make it in here i could not leave that out okay uh yeah i i don't really have much to add we like you said we've talked about it a lot that bridge is just absolutely beautiful i mean it's everything just comes together i mean every part works melodically just in completely in sync and it's it's just perfect and so i very good call there very good call there all right my number one james labrie vocal performance you may think this is cheating and this may be kind of a common answer for a lot of fans i chose the entire astonishing album i think while it doesn't have the crazy screaming high notes of something like awake um what he did on that album is absolutely incredible you know to voice that many different characters to do them differently you know distinctly but still sound like himself and again, imparting the emotion into it, uh, the emotion from the characters, you know, when, when he's singing, you know, the, the nefarious parts, like he sounds like a bad guy. You know, he he goes into his head voice when he's doing stuff like Faith and whatnot. Um, yep. You know, even even just the differences between, you know, the brothers. Um, I mean, you know, Gabriel and Aris, it's it's like it's just staggering what he was able to accomplish on that record. And, you know, I had read reviews of the of that before, you know, the record came out and I was like, OK, I'm interested to hear this. 
And man, it hit me right away. I was like, man, they aren't kidding. So, you know, I, as much as I said earlier that, you know, another day, the song is kind of like, I think when we all think of Dream Theater, at least for a lot of us that have been, you know, with the band for several, several years, you kind of think of another day and, you know, maybe some other stuff on images is like, okay, that's, that's James Labrie. You know, I think this record is equivalent to that. It's, if you want to hear everything that James can do, you just put on the astonishing and just off you go. Yeah, you you had to figure it was going to be a really good performance because you know Petrucci, you know basically wrote this whole thing, and if there was something that he didn't like the way that uh, James sang on it, you know he could have easily went out and said, okay, you know I have this concept idea. I know I'm asking a lot of you to, to try to do all this. This is probably too much. You know, let let's go. We'll go ahead and get three other you know guest people or four other guest people to do all these parts, and. Uh, I'm guessing he just gave James some direction and James came back and he just heard it and goes, wow, this is exactly what I wanted. And he nailed it, you know? Well, actually, the way that Petrucci described it was his initial idea was to get multiple singers for the parts. But James said, hey, let me let me do this. Like, okay. I can I can do it all. And I think they they might have done some demos or something. I, I think he demoed some tracks to show, like, that he could do the different characters and John was like, holy crap. I said, yep, you got it. <laughs> so, right, okay. but yeah, I mean, yeah, the initial idea was to have was to, multiple okay. vocalists. And James shot that down because he was able to, to absolutely knock it out of the park. So, you know, look at JG3. I'm going to have to throw the red challenge flag on that, John. JG3 is challenging the ruling of allowing the entire album of The Astonishing and the James <laughs> Lee vocal moment list. Well, it's my show, man. And guess what? I'm I'm allowing it. So uh, your challenge has been, uh, you know, the ruling on the field stands as called. You're charged a timeout. <laughs> no, I, see, I could, if I flag you for targeting and it holds up, you have to miss the first half of the next episode. <laughs> At least that's how yeah. college football does it with Ohio State players. <laughs> exactly. Like the guy, a, the guy makes a penalty in the first five seconds, and so he has to be out for a whole game. Yeah. Look at <laughs> look at Kale. He's out of line, but he's right. <laughs> I, I would I would assume, Kale, you're talking about me being out of line, choosing a whole record. But, yep, he used a cheat code. There it is. Yep. We we did miss, though, JG3 put in the ending of The Count of Tuscany. And, of course, you know, for me to not put Count of Tuscany in there is kind of beyond absurd. But it actually yeah. it did not make my list. I was kind of surprised about that. Yeah, he says the other great melody on that record is the ending of The Count of Tuscany. Going back to your, you know, nightmare to remember. Yep. Um. Yeah, when you when you pulled out Illumination Theory, I was like, "No Count of Tuscany for you." That's interesting, but you know, I have a lot of favorite songs that I wouldn't put on a favorite on greatest vocal performance list. I mean, they're, they're very good, but yeah, you know, I can't I can't say a lot of these are like my absolute favorite Dream Theater songs. It's just the perf the vocal performances are great. So, all right, so my number one was the Astonishing Record, uh, <laughs> Kale. We the People versus John's Decisions here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's devolved into fan on fan hate on talking hey. into infinity. <laughs> All right. So, what is your number one? You're gonna be blown away by this one. My okay. number one comes from your favorite Dream Theater album, "Take Away My Pain." Wow, really? I put the entire song. I love everything about every note in this melody and the bridge, that part where the final scene, the yep. actor. I love that. Love that part of the song. I don't know. It's just that's awesome. The, the lyrics of it are amazing. It's just a it's a super clean 
song with a great piano you know i love the guitars in it and the guitars the guitars could easily muddy up the song but they don't you know yeah um i don't know it's just a super clean recording with a just a ginormous hook of a melody that like yep. that really that really hits you you know it's a very emotionally powerful and uh i don't know the first time i ever heard that song we talked before about you know falling into infinity was never like you know i don't have the same i don't want to say disdain for it as awake but but you know kind of was never that big a thing but the first time i heard take away my pain i just like this is an absolute masterpiece of a song yeah um you're not going to get any arguments from me on that one uh obviously it's my favorite record um I'll, i'll have to did i ever send you the youtube video i found of these two guys doing like an acoustic cover of this one i it's, think you did oh my god but i don't remember i think you did i, I think i remember remember it being pretty awesome yeah that, i'll have to i'll have to see if i can share that on our show page um man i forget how i found it but holy god is it beautiful these guys have great singing voices and they're playing kind of like on a spanish flamenco style guitar um they're not doing anything crazy with it it's just a really respectful just beautiful mellow version of the song um but yeah, I'm with you. It's it's a fantastic melody. Uh, again, I think this is this is a great example of James taking, you know, the lyrical content and really adding the emotion to it. You know, it's about John Petrucci's father passing away, and uh, yeah, I I completely agree with you. Like every every part of the the melodies from start to finish is just completely completely on point, and yeah, I I agree with you completely. Uh, so JG3, I think he's yeah. The acoustic version on the Falling into Infinity demos is really good as well. Yeah, that's that, very good, very good take, Jay. I forgot about that one, and you you are absolutely correct. That is a great, great version of it. All right, look at look at Joe. He's leaving, man. What the heck? He says it's been fun as always. Have to go put my son back to bed. See you in two weeks. All right, got to do the dad thing. We'll let you go. See you in a couple weeks, man. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out, brother. Appreciate you, man. Um, all right, so. Let's see here. Let's get into some some B-sides. You know, we'll see what we had on our list besides our top list here. Kale says, surprised we haven't mentioned Scarred or Voices. Tracks full of absolute vocal gold. Full highs, absolutely beautiful subdued moments. All-around vocal showcases for James. Uh, Voices is actually on my B-side list. So I would agree with you there. I, I love the song. That, that's one of those songs that's got like a really cool vibe to it. And again, you know, James, like you said, really does show off and it's got those big screams in it. Um, you know, like I said earlier, Awake is just it's like a vocal showcase for him. So uh, what did you have as some honorable mentions? So let's see. I had a couple. I think we already talked about lifting shadows off a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, someone said hollow years. Okay. And. I kind of was shocked I didn't put the you you I wonder if you were surprised I didn't put this in there but it was close surrounded I wondered if you were going to go with that one yeah but I th- I think that one for you kind of stands out more for the piano stuff it does so, but I love that throws the shutters all across the wall you know when it starts yep. when it goes up high there and uh and another one I had to get of course another uh, dramatic turn of events beneath the surface I love that song um it reminds me of like a it's it's kind of like a lucky man uh, ELP with that uh, Moog solo in the middle that Jordan does, but uh, yep, I I love that song. Like it, it's kind of similar to Take Away My Pain in, in my opinion, where it's just like there's no wrong, the melody just I don't know every little note is just 
perfectly placed, perfectly counts, and it's gold. Okay. Uh, JG3 brings up one of my top Dream Theater songs. Uh, the other one I would give an honorable mention to is The Great Debate. I love that song, but I, I, I can't say that I would say that's like a huge James Labrie showcase. Um, so that's why that one was not on my list uh, or in my B-sides. Uh, Kim McLeish, here's one that I'm surprised neither of us have. Grand's throwing me Spirit Carries On as one of her favorite vocal moments, too. Uh, Grand, you are definitely not wrong. And honestly, I left that off because I thought it was so glaringly obvious that I, I didn't want to have that duh moment. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be like, you know, on a, on a Metallica songs list, like, oh, Master of Puppets. Like, everyone would kind of feel like, eh, let's hold off on that. Everybody likes that song. Um, so that's the only reason why I didn't have that on there. But I, I definitely think that that's and, and that that's one of those songs that just no matter how they do it, it's just more powerful live. No matter no matter what tour, no matter, you know, if James is on or off, there's something about that vocal that just comes out of him in just such an incredible way, no matter what. Well, it's one of those two that, like you said, if it's live, I mean, the entire audience is singing along once it gets yep. to the course, especially, you know, towards the end there, like just, you know, basically screaming their heads off, singing along with them. And yep. that's if there's no if there's no better sign than how great a vocal part is a song, it's, you know, it's when everybody <laughs> it's when it, getting everybody else to sing in on it, you know, because they're so moved by it. Yeah. And it's it, you always it, it's cool, man, because as soon as, you know, they'll do that kind of like lead in and a, and a lot of the fans that really pay attention to the live releases and stuff like, you know, kind of from the key pattern that what's coming. But for those people that don't all of a sudden, when, you know, you get this, where do we come from? Yep. The whole place like, yeah, <laughs> like yep. spirit carries on. So um, the other two that I had, I had Goodnight Kiss from uh, the Six Degrees Suite. I, you know, again, when he when he's doing you know the voice of voice of the parent like he's kind of in a yep. female voice like the head voice it's just i i think it's it's awesome and i've always really liked anna lee from falling into infinity again it's obvious it's my favorite record but some, something about it is just I, I don't i don't know i i think that's another one of those ones where the way he delivers the vocal fits the music and the lyric really really well there's a little bit of desperation to it um, and also a little bit of resignation, I suppose, would be the word I would use. So it, it's just it's always been very interesting to me. Again, it, it's a very dry vocal. I mean, you just use that term with another song, but it, it's a it's a very dry, you know, very dry vocal. And I've I've always I've always really liked it. It was funny when I was, you know, I kind of kept going back to six degrees and I'm like, man, I, I, I want to pick something off here. And I, it would have been actually would have been kiss goodnight if I did. I had actually contemplated that. And I'm like, eh, I love it as you know, I love the whole thing as an album and as a concept. And I've really grown to appreciate it, you know, way more than I did when I first heard it. Sure. But uh, I just couldn't quite bring myself to put something on there. You know, it's, it, you know, not to it's definitely not taking away any of his performances on there because the, the full the whole band is like they couldn't be more on their a game than that entire album probably totally from 99 of the fans are going to say that you know <laughs> totally agree all right so uh well that's all i got so why don't we why don't we kind of close up for the evening here uh, another spirited discussion i'm surprised that we actually disagreed on a few things you know namely bridges in the sky i think was the one for me i was like yeah but you know, I'm not surprised that you pulled something off of that record. You're a huge fan of that one. 
So we'll have to definitely, it'll be interesting when we do the deep dive into that, considering that you think that I hate it. <laughs> well, it's not so. that I think that you hate it. I know that you hate it. <laughs> and well, <laughs> we will see when we do our deep dive, man. We will see. So, um, yeah, so our next show is going to be in two weeks. So it'll be on Thursday, November 18th, right here. Uh, like I said, Facebook, YouTube, talkingintoinfinity.com, the cmsnetwork.com, uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we have to pick a topic for that night, man. We have We have all of our December shows lined out, and we don't have the next one lined out. So oh we're going to have to come up with something. So it's going to be, uh, I would really like to, you know, surprise people. So I'm trying to think if we have anything, you know, because we, we came up with a whole bunch of stuff that we haven't touched on yet. So it'd be interesting to kind of. What about something, uh, something like, what's your favorite chord progression that they use? <laughs> chord. You know, like an A minor chord goes to like an E major chord. <laughs> see unfortunately I'm, t I'm terrible with actual music notation okay. so i'd be absolutely worthless on that episode kind of like your you know pronunciation of chord is worthless right now <laughs> but uh should we yes. uh should we answer kale's question what's our favorite moment from view i don't know if we could do a whole podcast on that so maybe we should just answer astonishing it. recast look at kale <laughs> um he says okay so what's your favorite moment from the from view from the top of the world james moment Honestly, I, I'm gonna go with the alien. That's that's the vocal that still stands out to me. He does some really interesting, or not uh, not melodic things. Excuse me, rhythmic things in the verses, and I I just I just think it's it's very unique. I'd never heard him do some of the things he does in the in that in that song. So I, I'm going with the alien as my favorite vocal moment. What about you? I like the course towards the end of uh, Transcending Time where it almost kind of turns into a round, you know, and it's like it's got the harmony on top of itself and he's holding it out. And I'm interested to see because I, I can't see how live without a track they'd be able to fold. That's clearly him singing those parts when it's sustaining out like that. Yeah, very um, much so. But, you know, if it's on a track, it's on a track. I, at this point, I don't care. But I, I love the way it sounds, especially with those swirling guitars behind it. Like that's that's still my favorite song and i love the melody he sings on that even though it's yeah you know, there's nothing incredibly you know fascinating or different about it but it just fits perfect yep totally agree well so again we will be back here on november 18th at 7 30 p.m eastern standard time uh again we our next couple shows two shows actually we got to come up with topics but uh december 16th i think are, are we in agreement we're going to do the images and words that that big big images and words show that night so sounds good to me all right, so we are we are going to do our images and words deep dive on December sixteenth, and along with our deep dive, we're actually going to have Monty Colvin from the Galactic Cowboys on the show, who is going to talk about the tour for images and words. So we're kind of doing a, a double shot of uh, images and words on December sixteenth, and then for all you guys listening or watching the video currently or on the replay, uh, December twenty third, we're going to do our big fan hangout where we want to get you guys on camera with us. So. If you want to jump on camera, obviously, Kale, you've been on. You know, our buddy Tommy, who was on earlier, he's been on with us, Adam Rishog, uh, a bunch of people. Uh, just send us an email at talkingintoinfinity at gmail.com, and we would love to have you guys on for a few minutes. You guys can pick whatever Dream Theater topic you want to talk about. If you want to ask a general music question about something, feel free. Uh, Brian will know way more about that than I would, unless you're talking about Van Halen, in which case, feel free to ask <laughs> me about Van Halen. <laughs> um 
So, yeah, so we want you guys to actually be on the show on camera, so it's just going to be a free-for-all um, for all of us to actually hang out right before Christmas, you know. For Kale, as he said, Christmas Eve. Sounds fun. Yeah, it'll be Christmas Eve for you, man. It'll be the day before for us here in the States. I think so, uh, what we're going to have to do, we will have to have everyone sign a waiver because I don't want you, John, getting into a David Ellison situation <laughs> if we're going to be doing a bunch of stuff live on camera. Do you really? That's really gross. That's really gross. <laughs> Too soon. It's <laughs> really gross, man. <laughs> so, anyway, so those are our two big things coming up in December. And as I said, we will be back here, right here on uh, Heavy Metal Television, on CMSNetwork.com, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, Facebook, and YouTube. Seven thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, November 18th. So uh, one more time, thank you to all you guys that uh, took part in the chat tonight. Kale and JG and Tommy and uh, Joe Gebhardt, all you guys. Adam Rishaw, great to see you. Thanks again. And uh, Brian, another great episode, man. I will see you in two weeks, buddy. Peace.